4: Number two of the early line, Kevin Walsh and Donnie right side, making the move back to the NFL because we're talking quarterbacks as always. We've talked to Kyler Murray, and I think it's pretty appropriate that on the same day Kyler is extended, Josh Rosen finds himself another NFL opportunity, this time with the Cleveland Browns. And this feels like it does have some trickle effect ramifications that might be maybe bigger than We even realize you see Josh Rosen signs with Cleveland DRS. What was your takeaway?
5: That means we're on the verge of a suspension coming. Now, we expected, Kevin, a suspension to be coming all along, but it looks like now the Cleveland Browns, and contrary to what people believe, the Browns aren't left on the outside looking in. There are signals that are being sent the Browns' way. Here's how we're going to have to prepare for this monumental non-suspension or monster suspension for your quarterback. So they were doing their due mm-hmm. diligence all along. Where they say, hey, said he's going to be fine, and maybe he will be. But you still need another veteran presence behind him just to run, if not training camp, and also just be another legitimate quarterback in the room. Not to say a great football player, just a legitimate quarterback.
4: The thing with Rosen, though, is coming out of UCLA, I was pretty optimistic on what he could be in the NFL. Yeah. You see pretty immediately how important landing spots are, and everything about his you know, opening tenure in Arizona was a complete, complete mess. But the thing is, is it's really impossible for me to try and sell someone on Well, he just needs a, a real chance. He went to Miami. Was it, again, the best set of circumstances? No, but it didn't look good. He went to Atlanta every time he was out there. It was a horrible, horrible look. So really, what is Rosen supposed to be in Cleveland? Just a run-of-the-mill backup quarterback, right? A guy that they part ways with. They don't like what's going on in camp. They probably just need to add to that depth chart because at the end of the day, there is about a 0% chance, I think, that Watson is out there. To open the season, I don't know how far it goes beyond that, but keeping a little bit of depth there in Cleveland makes sense. I think the Josh Rosen thing at this point is more, oh, I know that name than, hey, is is this changing anything? Is he going to beat Brissett out for the job? That's not happening. If he beats out Jacoby Brissett, I don't think that's some Josh Rosen, uh, you know, revelation all of a sudden, Donnie. That's just a really bad sign, and whatever Jacoby Brissett had going on, I would guess.
5: Exactly, and this is some we have to remember. remind ourselves as well. Just getting through training camp is a chore here for NFL teams where you need multiple guys throwing footballs because you have an expanded roster, extra plays. You just need quarterbacks to actually throw. We're not even so sure that Josh Rosen would even be on the actual team once we get through final cuts, but for the summer where it looks like Deshaun Watson is probably going to be not getting 100% of the snaps here because keep in mind, once you get suspended, it doesn't actually kick in until game one, but you still need him to get some reps. He's not going to be taking... 75% of the team reps do training camp. So you need other players out here. But it does signal here that we might be hearing something. So I know we'll talk about some other things, but do, do we possibly hear today? Do we possibly hear today on the Sean Watson, oh, 5.30 what? p.m. tonight, nice little dump out there that goes, Hey, by the way, Sean Watson suspended it for a full
4: year. See you Monday. You know what? We have been saying this was supposed to be the week. You've constantly made sure to – Mentioned that Friday news dump. Today could be the day on that Watson News. Let's bring our radio audience into the mix. Kevin Walsh, Donnie right side of the early line is live with you on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM, Title 159, talking about some of these quarterbacks here. I'll tell you one thing, though, that we know for sure is that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to Cleveland. I got a message sent to me the other day. I don't know how legitimate the reporter is Look, they've got the verified check mark. Atlanta beat reporter. I'll leave it at that. But it did say that this was this was the tweet, Donna, that I was sent from somebody. Interesting update. The Falcons are one of five known teams with a call in to the 49ers regarding quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I cannot say on air what I said to that tweet because I largely just find myself struggling to believe. That tweet entirely. The Falcons make no sense at all for Jimmy Garoppolo. Even if he was free, it makes no sense. And then the notion that there's five teams. Again, that's why I'm not bringing the full tweet into the table because maybe somebody's just taking a swing in the dark. Right, Donnie? But five teams on the list for Garoppolo? How? Like, the Browns might have been the only team where you could have said, hey, listen, that's that's a team that could try and keep their roster afloat in the absence of Watson they're not even interested here five teams for Jimmy G i don't i can't buy that for a second
5: yeah, I don't know. There might be five teams interested in Jimmy Garoppolo because that's also play this forward as well for Jimmy G. He's not going to get $25 million a year, but you do have to go to another organization where he can be a fine backup here and maybe not even play, go to a Kansas City or even like the Mitchell Trubisky situation. We know it wasn't working out in Chicago. Goes to Buffalo, backs up Josh Allen, learns under Brian Dable. And look at this. He's a starting quarterback. And also keep in mind, another team that gets Jimmy Garoppolo, keeps him on the roster. And Let's just say Jimmy G signs to be a starter the following year. You set up yourself for some nice compensatory picks down the line. So Jimmy G might have some value not playing for a franchise, but just being with a franchise here, Kevin.
4: I'm very curious how interested he is in a backup job. If he's saying, okay, I'm a backup, does he then think to himself, okay, I need to be going to the very best teams in the NFL, is he trying to go to a place where he's compete? Super, super interesting when you talk about those landing spots. Speaking of super interesting, Rick Aro joins us next. He's nice of me.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: Early line, Kevin Walsh, Donnie Wright side, now joined by Rick Caro, sports grid, sports business analyst, the sports professor himself, graces us with his presence here this Friday morning. Rick, usually not a Friday guy. What's the word, man? Mm.
7: Well, you know, I was in uh, in Scotland for two weeks, and uh, I had to keep feeding the hamster to crank up the Internet. And some days the hamster was finicky. So Brian in the mm. brain trust back there said, don't screw around with non-Internet. Which you know was good for you guys, but not really good for me. I was sitting around faking a show to impress people, and you know nobody nobody took it. So hey, uh, by the way, shout out negative to my good friends at Air Lingus. They have still lost my bag. It's somewhere between here and uh, and the Isle of Man. If you find it, you know please bring it back. But shout out to the British Open, a record crowd, record impact, and now they're playing at the King's Course at Glen Eagles for the Senior British Open. And the one thing that resonated, two things. One. We're back. It's tourist on steroids in Britain. An incredible event. And second, live, which we'll talk about too. But that's all anybody want to talk about. Other than what is haggis, um, cow intestines. In case you want to know, they put it everywhere. They eat it everywhere. They do golf well. Uh, they do tourism well. Uh, they don't do food well. Sorry. All
4: right. all right. I mean, Rick. Before I fall asleep, brother. My goodness. I asked how you were doing. That's enough. I mean, you yeah. asked me how got, things we got we got business were. I've been on.
7: Not- Oh, i've been man. off for three weeks i gotta make up for lost time all right just don't True. don't True. ask an open-ended question again if you ask another open-ended question i'll take you from here right to break okay so, so right, yeah, I mean, you
4: just five putted that question right there right now yeah. here's the deal you're out oh, there you're boy. in the mix with people uh you're talking about about live golf there's a lot obviously going on at, at all times it feels like with this but I thought what was a huge kind of splash moment, it feels like, is the Open happens, great tournament, a lot of fun, big names down the backstretch. And kind of as that's all coming to a fold there, they hear, okay, Cam Smith might be going to Live Golf. What are you kind of just hearing about Live in general right now And, and maybe kind of the recent uptick, it feels like, and maybe some big names making the consideration.
7: Well, the big names uh, are, are you know the media's fault, curse, whatever it is. but Greg Norman's people, Uh, You're playing it brilliantly in the sense that you're just leaking enough information. Cam Smith has had conversations. We all know that. I sniffed it around St. Andrews. But nobody wanted to, including him, tarnish an incredible 20 under par with an idea that, by the way, I'm skipping leagues. You know, only Joe Namath does that or, or, uh, or Jim Kelly or some of the people in the old days. We now have an understanding of what it's like to have a competitive team or league where somebody's throwing all the money in the world at it, silly money. No return on investment money, stupid money. And so the bottom line is the captains, for example. Next issue is not only the majors, but Ryder Cup. You know, Stenson uh, going, so he's stripped of his captaincy over there. Darren Clark may be the captain. I was over at the senior open at Glen Eagles, as I told you. Five-putted number one, which is, uh, I'm going to get that to you again, good Mm five-putt analogy. But every one of the senior captains from the tradition Built Ryder Cups of yore from America and England are all lamenting the fact that the uh, the uh, uh, team uh, Europe was built on unity. Now they have everybody hating each other. And you know, you, you play live, played live, talk about live, uh, think about live. You're gone. So it's not only the majors coming up, but a very disruptive Ryder Cup season.
5: Rick, also I want to double down on the Live Goff Tour here as well because we talk so much about the golfers yeah. going over for big money here where Cam Smith might make, let's just say, $120-plus million dollars in guarantees. But how about some of the announcers also going over? David Faraday gets stolen there from NBC. And also now Charles Barkley possibly in talks to make the leap from TNT to Live Goff. So extending money all across the board here, is this going to end up working out for Liv Goff? And talk about maybe some of the things where Charles Barkley would leave a, you know, what, $10 million plus year job at TNT. That money's got to be massive for him to go over to Liv Goff.
7: We're all very creative individuals. You know that. Uh, we're all very creative on steroids if we have an unlimited checkbook tobacco. So like, all right, let's test an idea. If we throw Barkley X and he turns out to be a yuck it up and not very substantive, we haven't lost anything, but everybody on that side of the tour, we're playing it kind of cool. The first event over in England, a little publicity, but not a lot. Then uh, Pumpkin Ridge, a little. Bedminster is going to be a big deal, the Trump course, because now everybody's talking about live after the majors, and announcers will be plucked. I agree. So will it survive? Probably in some form. Will it be disruptive? It already is, and the big checkbook is to blame. If I'm Charles Barkley, there is nobody that symbolizes weird golf better than Charles Barkley. (laughs) Uh,
4: Now, uh, you and I, Rick, also uh, at times here, we'll talk a little bit about the ever-changing kind of TV ratings landscape. You know, behind closed doors, Rick will openly admit, maybe nobody knows more about the TV rating business than old KW, but he probably won't say it here. But the one thing that was very interesting is Major League Baseball grabs the headlines, Right. Lowest ratings ever for the MLB All-Star Game. But, Rick, I mean, if you're paying attention to this stuff, you know that TV is, I mean, not just continually going down, but in recent times, just TV way down. It's not like nobody was watching. Relative to everything else, easily number one of the night. It was the most watched event really since the NBA Finals. What's the temperature in the room on the audience they drew for the All-Star Game?
7: Well, it, the fact that it outdistanced anybody else that night—you uh, know—that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are basically the only days in the history of the planet where there's absolutely no major competition from any of the other sports. Mm-hmm. So of course you're going to get a higher number. But uh, I've seen and talked about with some executives the fact that we now may be comparing the All-Star ratings for the weekend package to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> if that's if that's true, we're we're uh, we ought to set our sights a little differently because. You know, Fox promoted the hell out of it to LA, Home Run Derby, Soto, all of that, but still couldn't get big ratings. And that's because, as you said, all of the diversions. Gaming, that's what we do here. Very important now to, you know, what about gambling on the All Star game? What about prop bets on the All Star game? Interesting stuff. That whole weekend uh, uh, screams out for prop bets, but in a bigger stage. Senior Open, as I said, golf coming back to it. The whole idea of since betting is legal over there, just where it was, you know, the, the whole idea of gambling, saving the day for traditional ratings all across the board is feasible
5: about ratings also, Rick. Obviously, the NFL is certainly a juggernaut there. I know we have some Amazon news, but they're now looking to additionally add Drew Brees to their telecast and make their way into the NFL. And I don't know if you have any foreseen information here, Rick, that we look forward to, but I saw Roger Goodell starting to make some waves saying that DirecTV also might not be participating in the ticket, and that might go also to like an Amazon or to a separate network. Is there anything that we're looking forward to coming down in the NFL here with Amazon and possibly the move from DirecTV direct TV and the ticket to something where everybody can actually participate and get.
7: Everybody participating and getting is only relevant to the leagues. Now, if everybody participates, gets and pays for. And so that's the issue that everybody is leaning toward. And I will give you some information based on how I know Paul Tagliabue, Roger Goodell and everybody else at the NFL thinks as the competition for process in television increases, you got to create a unique product. So, the fishing around about, well, maybe DirecTV, I know they were our brother on Sundays and nobody can do without it, but maybe we uh, restructure the package and maybe there are some others out there just like we knew DirecTV was a no-name. They came in from last place and carried the day 15 years ago. Would do it again. And so that's where we're going with this.
4: It's going to be very interesting to see kind of how that finalizes there. Uh, Rick, we've only got about a minute left. I know you're – Probably going to take us out uh, so honestly I, I guess i can just throw it your way do whatever you want rick let so people know David. what you got coming up here on the network
7: man if i could only take you out life would be much better than it is today but uh-huh. hey maybe it's you. a different issue of taking it out but that's good now that was that was really good because the minute now was what 45 seconds and by the time you ask a question it would be like 12. so and now it's 30. so here's the bottom line it was a tremendous week and two weeks we talked about golf what do we focus on from the beginning of this? for the next couple of weeks. Well, the majors are over, but the controversy is not. And as we focus on all of the stuff regarding football and otherwise, keep in mind how competition among leagues improves and increases all the kinds of things relative to golf. We're gonna see that soon, and we'll see you coming back.
1: every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
4: Back right here on the early line. We've got some good Major League Baseball preview coming up for you in just a minute, but before we get there, a Huge, huge extension given out yesterday to Georgia's head coach, Kirby Smart, coming off of that national championship. I got to tell you, part of me was thinking about this. You know, if they go out there and, and they say lose to Michigan in the first college football playoff game, I feel like Kirby Smart's on the hot seat coming into this college season. Instead, brings the national championship home, and they've got big expectations coming into this year, and he has got a brand-new contract that will keep him there, likely for a decade. There's one thing that really, really I started to think about when I saw this extension, Don, but I'm curious, where did your mind go when you saw the number, the totality, the whole deal here with Kirby and the Bulldogs?
5: In an arms race, it's just par for the course here. And we're talking about the bigger stakes as they're ramping up. So if you are an entity in college football, talk about the big guys, the Alabamas, the Georgias, Texas A&M's, Oklahoma's, USC's, Miami you see the arms race here, Kevin, that we're getting towards? Because it looks like the haves and the have-nots, there's going to be an, an even bigger demarcation line between those where the sanctity of the NCAA, everybody has a chance to win a national championship, which we know is not the case. But now we're looking towards saying, okay, this money is going to get condensed into 20 programs or 40 programs in a super conference. And you want to make sure that you have an appropriate head coach that can guide you through those waters. Be an unbelievable recruiter know how to bend those rules, and know how to rile up the bag men, as we like to say, who are now the boosters that can legally pay these kids to come to the university. This is just what's going to take place over the next couple years where these coaches' salaries are going to rise. Why? Because more and more money is at stake. And if you have a head coach that's worth his weight in salt winning national championships in the SEC for teams like Georgia, you're going to get paid this way, and it's going to continue to go higher and higher. 100%.
4: But for me, the $112.5 million for some reason caught my attention less than the 10 years, right? Now, whenever you win a national championship, I'm sure you want to keep that guy in town. I was just thinking a little bit, right? The age of Kirby Smart. It surprised me a little bit. If you would have made me guess, honestly, I probably would have told you somewhere in those 50s range. Maybe you should use some hair dye or something there. I don't know. That's what I would have thought off the bat. It's only 46 Years old. I think that typically would get you labeled as a a young head coach. You want to keep a guy like that around. But here's the other thing. No matter what Georgia did last year, still the premier program in this sport is Alabama. Obviously, Kirby came from Alabama, was there with Saban. We're talking age. Nick is 70. Now, maybe he's really going to do this forever. He's shown no signs of slowing down. They're obviously fantastic every single year. But Alabama is Maybe the only program on a very, very short list, Donnie, right, where they could call up a Kirby smart and say, hey, listen, do you want to make that jump? And I know maybe they could still obviously do that while Kirby is under contract. But I was just wondering to myself a little bit when I saw this deal, this is Georgia saying, you know what, what are the odds, Donnie, over this 10-year period, Nick Saban you know, hangs it up. I I would say pretty good. I just wondered if this was a good sign of faith from the Bulldogs saying to themselves, we got to make sure that this guy, Kirby Smart, 46 years old, is here for the
5: long haul. Yeah, coaches can get up and leave at any time, but you're right. You're setting the foundation for treating a guy with style, class, and cash when he wins you a national championship, which it's been a while for the Georgia Bulldogs. So you're right. You're trying to say to yourself, all right, maybe we have, Kevin, the premier team in the SEC post-Nick Saban at Alabama, and we want to make sure that foundation is strong. So when you even taking a look at like Alabama, some of those coaches who might take over for Nick Saban, I think it's pretty easy you can look toward no farther than what South Carolina and Clemson here with Dabo Swinney moving over. But I think mm-hmm. you're right as we look at Juan Soto, oh, you don't want to sign with us for this 440, take a commercial jet out to the All-Star game and Hopefully, you get back in time for the next game that we actually play in the regular season. You take the opposite approach. Not hardballing Kirby smart. Hey, guys, I need an indoor practice facility. You got it. Hey, guys, I need my own private jet to recruit. You got it. And also, I'd like a $100 million contract. Kirby, you got it. Stick with us. We'll take care of you.
4: Yeah, exactly the kind of move you want to make. As we get closer to college football season, we'll give you these full previews, these full breakdowns. But I wanted to bring the Georgia odds into the conversation just a little bit. Uh, National championship odds, you'll find this team right now at plus 350 with only Alabama and Ohio State in front of them. You see they're right there in the thick of things when it comes to the SEC title. But I thought that win total was also pretty interesting, Donnie. A 10.5 number with minus 250 Jews to the over. 12 games, on the schedule. Mm-hmm. I wonder if some point that flat eleven comes into the fold there and you start to say, Will this team be unbeaten? A quick glance at the Georgia schedule. You see a 10 and win total. Kind of a, the question really is, is this team going to be able to go unbeaten, right? During the regular season, like they were able to do uh obviously last year being 12 and 0 before that SEC title game there early. Quick glance at the Georgia Bulldogs heading into the year.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly high. I and mean, you're talking about a team that finally gets over the hump. So you're not – college kids are different here. Like, you sort of get a new fleet of players each and every year. So these big schools like Georgia, Alabama, they reload, right? Oh, look at all the stars that they lost. So have a starting quarterback coming back here, which, quite frankly, I don't know why half the Georgia fan base doesn't want a starting quarterback that finally puts you <laughs> over the hump and won the biggest game of them all. But it just seems to me like – you don't really get the hangover in college because the next group is just as hungry as the group that just won it there. And we've seen it time and time with Alabama. And I also saw a stat, by the way, with Alabama, even though we're talking about Georgia, being ranked number one at least some part during the season since 2008 that is absolutely ridiculous but that's the stat level and that's also the you know higher ups that you got to keep with Georgia if you want to be on Alabama's playing field but also when you take a look at their price the plus 350 to win a national championship why is it plus 350 not higher well you got to beat Alabama probably in order to get into the national championship game but sometimes we see in the SEC that doesn't matter Kevin you just have to get to the SEC championship game and if you lose to Alabama you can still make it in to the college football playoff but also Another point here when we take a look at the Georgia Bulldogs. Look at the top four teams here at the FanDuel Sportsbook where they lie. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. Oh, tough scene for those guys. Man, we got to watch four really good football teams get into the college football playoff again. Boy, that stinks. Get it out, man. If that same four teams here, Kevin, made it every year, I'm in it. And Georgia, they'll probably
4: be there. The thing, though, that you mentioned there with Stenson Bennett is maybe the most interesting thing to me. We talk about the returning quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Kayla Williams. Those are your top three to win the Heisman Trophy. Donnie, if I asked you to go find the Stenson Bennett odds live on air, it would take you a while, especially because you don't know how to use command F at all. This dude is 100-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy. Think about it a returning a, re- a returning national champion on a team that's got a very very good chance to go unbeaten this guy's going to break his computer and log off trying to yeah, figure where, out the command, command f button, button. oh over there but now if
5: i hit they, command f what comes up on the screen like, do, like i have to type something it, else little, after
4: that a little te- we can't do it. i mean we, we this is what we're going to we're going to give people Make a shit. breakdown on how to i'd how to use command f i mean a little tab I mean, you type why would in you, the name
5: why would you introduce this to me in the middle of a segment here where you know i'm gonna go mess something up well i'll probably cut my feed by doing this too
4: You're, you might start peaking those levels get a little, little too high all of a sudden nah. uh, i don't think people are gonna yeah. like to hear that so we gotta we gotta keep you happy in chat. boy for sure <laughs> sweet oh man now you better cut it out right here uh here's the thing though that those benedars though are just so interesting to me right because A part of me wants to say, like, Donnie, how's there not some value on a 101 Stenson Bennett ticket? And then on the other end of it, it's like, what are the odds that this guy finishes the season as the actual quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs? It doesn't seem all that likely. No, it really doesn't. Like, who are you? And also, like, you
5: finally get over the hump with a guy that you know in the biggest moments can make the plays. And it's like, boy, I hope somebody beats him out in fall camp. And if you're Stetson Bennett, how about a little bit of respect here from the fan base? I just delivered what you guys have been waiting on for so long. And all I get is, boy, I can't wait to see the next guy in line, the JT Daniels or a superstar recruit coming through. I won this for you. Can I come out and play football again? Yeah, I don't know about that. Thanks, but no thanks, pal.
4: I mean, he's out there with the same Oswin Heisman trophy yeah. as a guy that puts mayo in his coffee. I mean, that right there yeah. is about as much slander as, as you could have met. Will Levi, by the way, needs to be taken immediately off of the odds board. Does. Nobody, like, you know, again, like, you're a big platform. Nobody should be able to bet Tiger to win, you know, major tournaments anymore. Like, no one should be able to do anything yeah. that involves Will Levi outside of fading him because that man needs to be really he sat down and reassess his life. I think that really is kind of the, the way things stand right now. Do I morning. blast into a do – do, do we draft into a Major League Baseball game here? I mean, the way the, the way the time lines up. I mean, Cubs-Phillies, there's a lot of excitement in the right-side household about this oh, yeah. game. I mean, do, do, we, do we give people the, the winning edge really quick, Donnie, before the break here, give them a taste of that baseball preview? I mean, I mean, Kyle Gibson's got the ball first game out of the break. I like that. Nola Wheeler, well-rested. They didn't want to come out hot here against the Cubbies. Well, I mean, it's it's a big you, night at the ballpark for the Phils Yeah, exactly.
5: You want to put your best foot forward, so what do you do? Put out like your fourth-best pitcher onto the mound here to start a series with the Cubs. Now, the Cubs certainly don't have a great lineup here coming into Philadelphia, but it's always a little bit of a mixed bag what you get after these guys have had this extended layoff. Should the Phillies win tonight? Yes. Do they have the better pitcher on the round? Probably so. The Overall lineup better for the Phillies? Absolutely. But I don't know where this game's going to go. The one thing I do know is tonight and this weekend in Philadelphia, we're talking about 100-degree temperatures in a hitter's ballpark and if anything that we saw with terrible baseball teams like the Tigers and the Oakland Athletics can get after it and the Marlins don't even have to score, but games seemingly get eight, nine, and ten runs, is this an auto over right off the bat in Philadelphia tonight? That's the question.
4: I mean, listen, we know a a very well-respected handicapper who's been telling people, second half out of the All-Star break, you got to be hitting those overs. The 45-win club will be Uh. providing you the juice that you need <laughs> so something you got to really be factoring in yep when we're talking about the second half of this baseball season basically.
3: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
4: Back right here on the early line. Let's preview some baseball. We just talked quickly about Cubs-Phillies. We keep this train rolling here. Listen, you get beat up by the Astros. You would hoping to find a welcome sign. Typically, that's what you would label the Baltimore Orioles. This is obviously a much better baseball team. They enter the second half of the season playing 500 ball. I absolutely can guarantee you that there will be people looking to back Baltimore at home at a plus price against these New York Yankees. Donnie, when you line this one up, though, would that be a wise decision? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one for me because also, is there still a hangover
5: here for the Yankees who came off the all-star break, showed up in Houston, got bounced, took another plane out, and you're still trying to get your bearings on where you're at in the second half of the Major League Baseball season and playing a decent Baltimore Orioles team? If you look at the lineup overall as a seasonal number, Judge Rizzo Stanton have been really doing a lot of damage against right-handed pitchers. But take a look at Wells here. Over the last 30 days, his x XFIP number is a little bit higher on that 4.5 range, Kevin. But if we look at the way he handles lefty and righties, keep in mind also Wells is a right-handed pitcher. From the left side, a 234 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 089 to right-handed batters over the past 30 days, 47 batters. He's faced a 292 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 154. he He's been good, but I got to tell you, outside of that series yesterday, where you know the Yankees showed some bats in game number two, you saw Aaron Judge get that home run late. You know, Judge Rizzo, Stanton, mm-hmm. Donaldson, Hicks, Trevino, and Gallo all have very nice ISO power numbers over the last 30 days against right-handed pitching. The Yanks should get off the mat, but is this one of those games where you say to yourself, until the Yankees do get up off the mat, and you see that they're right, that you get involved in this one. But they should, to be honest with you, they should win this game. But I don't know where their head's at right now.
4: Yeah, look, this is a, a Baltimore team, though, that is not a doormat in the way that you're used to. They're going to be a, a little bit fresher. I, honestly, they're probably a lot fresher than you are, because you're coming off yes. of a doubleheader, right? Like, they, like there is reason to believe. I think, I think what you're saying is perfect. The circumstances screen Baltimore... But the numbers and the season kind of overview would say the Yankees. It makes for a really, really fun game to follow here today between the O's and the Yanks. Let's keep this train rolling here as we have got a Padres Mets game that features some fantastic pitching. I'm I'm almost surprised we don't have that six and a half. It is just a flat seven early morning as Max Scherzer gets the ball against you, Darvish. Mets Padres. Oh, and look at that. Actually, that's great though. If you see up on, on our graphic here, it was six and a half. So people, that means, came in a little bit and got this thing up to a 7, which is pretty interesting, Mm -hmm. Donnie. Are you looking total or side here in Mets Padres?
5: Yeah, I'm also. Let's take a look at some some other like uh, entities in this that we talked about over the All Star break. Like Max Scherzer, thirty nine to one to win the Cy Young. You know, what's going to factor in major tonight if he can go out duel Darvish here in like one of those three to one battles where he dominates. This should be an interesting game to watch overall because when you take a look at you Darvish on the, over the last thirty days, because we're trying to condense ourselves right since we're sitting here in mid July. Whether you Darvish pitched really well early April, does that matter at this point? No, it doesn't. And also, does it mess a little bit with pitchers here going? over this extended break, but Darvish over the last 30 days, XFIP numbers-wise, Kevin, he's been very good at a 3.94 strikeout rate, 32%. This is the U, Darvish, that we're usually looking towards. Take a look at this, though. This is interesting. Darvish is a right-handed pitcher to lefties. He's faced 69 of those over the past 30 days, dominating. 279 weighted on base percentage. But if we flip that over here to right-handed batters over the past 30 days, facing Darvish, a 345 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 263. Maybe this Mets lineup can wake up tonight. And also, you know, look, I don't like the Mets per se, but boy, when Max Scherzer deals in the beginning of the season, misses a month and a half, comes back and deals again, who's to say today he's not going to deal again at home in the heat and humidity up in New York? Mm-hmm. I'm going to back Scherzer in this one. And if I'm looking at that price 39 to 1 when I wake up tomorrow, I'm not going to be surprised, Kevin, if we're down to 30 to 1 or so after a good performance by Max Scherzer.
4: Yeah, look, here's the deal with Scherzer up against that Padres lineup. It's going to obviously catch your attention here. But this guy comes back after a two-month layoff. Six innings, 11 Ks. Seven innings, 9 Ks. Six and a third, 11 strikeouts of Chicago Cubs there. Now, this is a Padres team that doesn't strike out a ton. Tenth fewest in baseball as a team but it's going to be an enticing number with a plus price on that Scherzer 7.5. However, for me, and I got to get back in the groove now with these strikeout props here, it's you, Darvish, that might have the early value at a 5.5, at a plus price. Price. I'm excited to really crack into these strikeout props as the day develops there. How many guys are checking the numbers? I know yesterday you offered up that warning signal. Listen, first set of games coming off of the break there, so you got to kind of be uh, steady and conservative maybe in your process here, but you Darvish is someone that I'm going to be circling early. Blue Jays, Red Sox, Eovaldi, Gaussman. Man, Toronto, a favorite in Boston against Eovaldi. I don't know if that says more about the fact that Toronto is still viewed as one of the very, very best teams in baseball or maybe about just how bad this Red Sox rotation is when you match it up against the elite teams in the American League. But that pick and price is no longer there. It's a minus 120 on Toronto. Total's been on the move as well. Any value here in the AL East matchup? Yeah, checking in here. Kevin Galsman, to me, is the better pitcher on the mound.
5: And also, we saw that extended layoff here, which we just talked about, like Max Scherzer, obviously, with Eovaldi coming back. Because if we look at his numbers, talking about Nate Eovaldi, XFIP is low, and he only has had 20 batters faced Kevin, over the past 30 days here, which is obviously coming back from the IEL. But the right-handed batters, which he's only faced 14, so a limited amount of numbers we can look at. 460 weighted on base percentage and an iso power number of 308. In my initial notes looking at the game, I did put I'm leaning towards the under here. But here's the tough scene. How many times Kevin do we talk about hitting weather where, oh man, stuff in April and, you know, through May it was a little bit colder temperatures here on the East Coast. Didn't really we went right from like winter to summer. And boy, when you're talking about summer right now, look at Boston. 94 degrees at first pitch, 10-mile-an-hour winds blowing dead out to center field. It's one of those where you're in a smaller ballpark, and even though you anticipate a good pitching matchup, it doesn't take much tonight, Kevin, for that ball to travel mm-hmm. and travel far. That's where my hesitation would come in because if there's any optimum conditions, I don't know if it gets hotter or a better conditioned night to hit home runs than what you might get in Boston tonight.
4: As far as Gaussman goes, you guys know I'm not much of a trend better on the strikeout props, but this is worth mentioning. Three starts against Boston this year. Eight innings of work, 8Ks. Six innings, 9Ks, and the more recent start, seven innings, and struck out 10 Boston Red Sox. He has been fantastic when it comes to striking out these Red Sox, and the number tonight is a a 5.5, minus 146 towards that over, but that is the early number there on Boston and Toronto. Angels, Braves, man, (laughs) Otani is on the mound against the Atlanta Braves. This is fun. Otani has basically been kind of the only thing that really gives the Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles Angels a chance when they're going out there. They lose every game they play that Otani doesn't start. Well, now there's a lot on Otani's plate because he's going to Atlanta. Charlie Morton gets the ball here. How do you how do you match up Otani against the Braves? I got to tell you right now, like if uh, Otani's going to probably need to
5: shut the Braves out today. But having said that, is that so much far as a stretch? You're talking in a hitting environment. Let me just take a look at the quickly. Uh, eight, how about this? 80, hot, hot landing, we like to call it, right? Hot, muggy conditions. 83 at first pitch tonight. We're looking at in the East Coast here, 95, 96s at first pitch in Philadelphia. But Otani's going to be on the mound. And look at these numbers, Kevin. Now, we saw him over the All Star break. I get it here. And I'm going to go over the hitting arrangements in just a few moments. But just Otani himself xfip 1.79 over the past 30 days strikeout percentage which oh this is over 100 batters kevin 46 percent of the batters he's faced out of roughly like 100 plus batters have struck out at the plate that is an inc- i don't know if i've ever seen that before and if we equate that to lefty righty splits for a Shohei Ohtani. To lefties, a 131 weighted on base percentage, ISO of 030. If we take a look at right-handed batters, a 198 with an ISO of 0, or excuse me 0.017. He's been absolutely sensational. Now, there's no question in my mind, the better lineup tonight is going to reside with the Atlanta Braves. But also, mm-hmm. let's give some credit, should we say. Credit old DRS style for the lineup that's going to participate tonight for the Angels. No Mike Trout because he's on the I.L. Shohei Otani, get this, versus right-handed pitching on this season, is has a 440 ISO power number and a 451 weighted on base percentage. The next highest guy ISO power numbers versus right-handed pitching on the Angels, that is a 113. And keep in mind, a 175 is like that average you want to be above it. That means this lineup is dead. Now, also, I want to take this to the next level, Kevin, because I know You love strikeout props. Look at Morton on the mound. 31% of the batters he's faced over the last 30 days, he has struck out. Look at this incredible statistic for the Angels as I read you the strikeout percentages in the estimated lineup tonight over the last 30 days for the Angels versus right-handed pitching. K percentages here. For Ward, 35%. Walsh. 37%, Adele, 43%, VR, 29%, Stassi, 34%, Marsh, 41%, Velasquez, 45%. I don't know if I've ever seen this before here. Do you just strike up Charlie
4: Morton here for 10-plus Ks over four innings? I mean, this is the thing. Like, you look at that Morton number, Donnie, right? It's a a 7.5. For Charlie Morton, that looks big. But the the Angels... So for me, when I, when I go through this on a day-to-day basis, like a lot of times they'll be like, you know, the projection will be like, hey, listen, maybe trying to fade the Angels. They can't keep striking out at this rate. And there comes a time where you go, you know what? Yes, they can. And I, and I got to get out of here because I can't deal with this anymore. And I'll tell you what, it's also kind of a similar situation with Otani. Because sometimes the, a projection kind of setup will want you to sell high on somebody. Otani, eight and a half tonight. There are going to be people who see that and go, what do you mean eight and a half? This guy's double digits every single night. I got to go over. There's going to be some people who, who think to themselves, oh, okay, the Bucs gone too far. I got to go under. Yeah. Otani, though, is going up against the Braves team. The only team that strikes out more than them is the Los Angeles Angels. Let's get a FanDuel Sportsbook boost here. Let's get, what, 20-plus strikeouts in the game <laughs> between the two teams? Yeah. And, and let's go out there and, and let's get after because there is going to be a lot of Ks in that matchup. How about Astros Mariners? I like this year because what you have right now is a 14-game win streak on the line, and it's a home dog for the Seattle Mariners. Double-header yesterday for Houston. We talked about some people probably are going to be willing to line up on Baltimore. Plus 100, home dog, 14-game win streak against a team that was on a double-header yesterday. Maybe some juice on the Seattle Mariners. I
5: think there might be some juice from the Seattle Mariners, even though I don't like Marco Gonzalez all that much. The lefty here that's going to get the start tonight for the Mariners. But if I remember before the, de- excuse me, before the all-star break was taking place, this game has already been sold out for the Mariners. Imagine that. I've watched hundreds wow. of late-night games, watching the Seattle Mariners, barely with anybody, it seems like, in the stands. This game is sold out. So maybe you actually get one of those bumps where you're feeling a playoff atmosphere. The Astros are a fantastic ball club. Roundly and resoundly booed in Major League Baseball when they go on the road. The Mariners, the streak is on the line. Post-All-Star break, we haven't seen baseball in Seattle in a week's time here, and those fans are going to be excited. Could be this one of those games where they really jump and use the crowd to their advantage. How many times do you hear Donnie Wrightside come on here and say, the crowd is going to be an advantage in a regular season baseball game? They're going to be fired up here, and that's a plus-money price here. And you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Astros are hot. They just beat the Yankees, too. But that's a doubleheader in Houston flying on the road. Give me the M's tonight,
4: K-Dub. Plus 100? Let's go. let me add maybe a little more juice to what you're bringing there. Jose Urquidy has seen the Seattle Mariners three times and has been absolutely lit up. ERA over those three games is a 10.38. He has been smashed by this Seattle lineup. So if you want to go team total, I understand that as well. But also, Marco Gonzalez, a lefty against the Astros, this could just be a spot. Grab eight and a half and enjoy the ride as these two teams have a nice chance to put up some big-time numbers tonight. The early line closes out with what I'm hearing is a guaranteed success. Listen up. Check it out.
2: Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
5: All right, last segment of the weekend for the early line say it isn't so my goodness how quick time does fly here with the all-star break major league baseball back underway the nfl heating up will we get any suspension news here from the sean watson in due time in due time but as always seven to nine a.m myself donnie Wrightson, and kevin walsh carrying you through before we hand it over to ben stevens and the morning after right here on the grid now football's got me fired up for quite some time but i saw a Not just to say a report yesterday coming out from the Patriots. Listen up. Bill Belichick, I get it. You are smart. One of the best coaches of all time in any sport. We're not going to argue that. But maybe you can argue that Tom Brady was a little bit bigger of a piece to those championships than we were to be led on from those Bill Belichick Patriots regime. Now, having said that, moving forward, Tom Brady's no longer in town. Mac Jones is the quarterback. Who's calling the plays? Sometimes it can be a little bit convoluted on who actually makes the final decisions and who sends the plays from the coach's microphone into the helmet. I hear you on that. But the fact of the matter is, come on, Bill Belichick. Stop being the smartest guy in the room. Who is your offensive coordinator? Bill Belichick says, hey, you know what? We don't get caught up in those titles around here. What do you mean? Why don't you just say you're not the head coach then? So every other team in the NFL has an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, which you have a defensive coordinator, but you're not going to have an offensive coordinator with that title. And I always love the smartest man in the room here, Bill Belichick, who quite frankly last year had the dumbest game plan in the history of mankind and got away with it with beating the Buffalo Bills because he wouldn't let his first-round draft pick throw a pass in that game, and people called him a genius. But how about this is for a genius move? Matt Patricia was your longtime defensive coordinator. He's now supposedly the quote-unquote offensive coordinator. Or how about Joe Judge? Disaster down for the Giants. He is also going to be a co-offensive coordinator. Get it together. Name an offensive coordinator, Bill. If you're the coordinator, let it be known out here. Enough of this stuff up in New England. But you know what, people? Stay tuned here. Ben's got to cover on the morning after. Coming up right now on The grid.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy,